The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Welcome to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook and Stephen Lucan with you today. And we got a lot on the agenda like we usually do, but we'll get into some fun things today. We obviously start with our, our current events and what's going on in the world. There's something new every week, it seems, to discuss on that front. Uh, some interesting times that we're living in, but Primarily, we'll focus uh, on Social Security and some planning strategies around that. And Social Security is a loaded topic. We could do probably 10 shows on that, Steve. Sure, sure can. Yeah, no so we'll, we'll try to focus on the retirement aspect of that today. I think that's what most people think of when they think of Social Security, but it's it's really much more than that. But uh, start with some current events, and it's tax season, of course, and hopefully Happy everybody— Happy belated tax day yeah. to you, Tyler. Thank you. Likewise. <laughs> Thank you. Did you get your thank you notice from the uh, IRS? Yeah, it's always interesting how quickly they deposit you know, the checks I know. and cash it, right? Yeah. I had to do some uh, account—I uh, have a tax account, so I had to uh, get some extra funds over there for the, <laughs> the for my friend at the IRS offices, and I was worried. I'm like, oh, I better get—because like you said, they, they tap them into it right away. So. Yeah. Had to do some last-second uh, adjustments to the accounts to make sure there was enough funds in the uh, tax account. Yeah, if, if any checks are going to bounce, it's not to the IRS. You don't want those bouncing, <laughs> no, right? No, that's exactly so it. Just get it, yeah, get it done. Well, that, well, hopefully everybody did that. And and that actually is right on our first point, Stephen. And, and the federal tax collections through the first half of their fiscal year. Now their fiscal year works from October of last year to March of this year. Yeah, they set another record in collections. Yeah. Over two trillion two with, a, trillion, with a T, T trillion right. dollars of collections. To, yeah. So thank you to all your ta- all the taxpayers out there, right? And it's it's not that long ago too. It was just uh, actually if you look at the six months prior to that, it was another record. So the last three or four times they've been setting new records in tax revenue collections. Now, I've always said this, and we believe it too. We don't have a revenue problem, tax revenue problem. You said another record of yeah. how much taxes the government collected. Yeah. We have a spending problem. Yes, all right, and that's that continues to be the trend. Doesn't matter what administration's in power, any of that type of thing. If you look at the charts and just look at it, this trend has gone on since the seventies. If we were building a financial plan for the government, we'd be concerned. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's right, right? It's the classic. Uh, you know, you're spending more than you earn. Yeah, and, and our government is run where it is based on a uh, assumption of future collections, really, because they overspend. Right, right. And if we, you had your own personal financial plan with a negative uh, income, which is what our government is. The assumption was, can you continue that income just to keep the wheel rolling, right? right. The wheels in motion and so forth. And if our government, uh, we were building a financial plan for our government, we'd be very concerned right now. Be a lot of hard conversations. Yes. Right? Yeah. To adjust the spending. <laughs> yeah. Well, of that two trillion that they collected, you know, one point one trillion was from individuals, like everybody listening, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a good chunk was from other social insurance programs, like payroll tax and things like that, that they collect revenue on. But yep. ordinary income tax is half of that two trillion. So again, I think the key there too is it's not tax, tax, tax. It's not the answer to our problems, right? It's, it's getting the spending under control, but that's right. a whole other conversation. So, well, and then the outlay outlay is to our topic today is Social Security, mm-hmm. right? There was a large portion of that, close to six hundred billion, right? Right for the outflows went to Social Security. 
Um, Medicare is another one, which is big. I actually didn't think it was as oh, Medicare is at three hundred fifty billion. Yeah, uh, and it's the other part too is corporate income taxes, right? That's yep. in there as well. That's a that's one hundred twenty seven billion. I got to look at these numbers for a second. Get your yeah. commas right. You're, you're looking at the income. <laughs> I'm looking at the expenditures. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, but nonetheless, right? So a large portion of the outflow goes goes to Social Security program, Medicare, a lot of that which is taken care of. So we have we have responsibilities. And yeah. um, but it, good news is the tax revenue is going up, and it's gone up consecutively. That means wages and income is going up. Yeah. If, if that's from people being productive and earning and making a wage, that's great. But, yes. Um, the other the other side of the equation. So a revenue collections, but also a record. In spending, mm-hmm. so the first half of the fiscal year, the treasury spent three point seven trillion. Right. So you collected, collected two one. Right. Spent three seven. That's not good. No, no. <laughs> Big credit card bill there. We actually get that question quite a bit sometimes too. You know, like how long can this go? Right. How right. long can you run on a deficit like right. this and keep? I don't going? think anyone has an answer. No, and I, I've been thinking a lot about that though too. I think you know the, what gives us the ability to kind of say it's okay and, and not have the answer yet is mm-hmm. the fact that the U.S. dollar is still the world's reserve currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning if you want to trade internationally with anybody, you've got to convert your currency to the U.S. dollar. Yes. That's always been the the backstop and why we're, quote, unquote, the safest place on the block. But, but as long as we've remained the safest that's place, it. that's the key. Can we stay on top? And yep. that's the the rest of the world is going to try to knock you down. Yeah. Right? That's, that's a concern. It already started. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, China tried to buy Saudi oil, Saudi Arabia oil, using their currency. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, they've been talking about that. Mm-hmm. But right now, again, China would have to convert to the U.S. dollar, use those dollars to buy the oil. So if they try that, that's what people are concerned about. But I I always go back to, you know, okay, let's say if China is the next safest place on the block, so to say, in terms of currency, that would require the Chinese government to really let go of the reins mm-hmm. of the Communist Party and the control. and Because you'd have to have transparency for all these countries to get on board and actually see into their government, into their economy to actually understand it. And I'm not sure they're ready to do that, right? They no. like their control. Well, they do, and and there's been a lot of uh, scrutiny towards even how companies uh, are reporting their numbers. Right? Are they cooking the books? Is it real numbers? And Wall Street has to run based on the financial statements that are being produced. And there's been a lot of scrutiny. Is is this accurate? Yeah. Is and that which reflects in stock price. Right. Right. So. So they're getting a lot of pressure there that they have to be a little bit more honest and transparent. I say a little bit. That's that's the uh, argument. Are they being honest right. about it? So, right. and there's a lot of uh, attention being uh, focused there. Yeah, I don't think even if even if that did happen and the U.S. dollar was no longer the reserve currency and some other country was, it's not like the U.S. dollar goes to zero right, in right. terms of the value. There's still right. value there, uh, but I think we're still a ways out from that. But it's interesting you mentioned about the transparency aspect. I remember two years ago, you know, when COVID first really uh, started shutting down the world. Big investment companies, Vanguard and a few others, were using satellite imagery over China to see if plants were running, looking right. at emissions, right, right, things right, like right, that, right. just to yeah. try and get a, right. another sense of what's the truth. Yeah, what's actually right, happening? Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's a wild. It's wild times, but um, you know, I think from from where we're at, again, from the tax side of things, everybody's got to pay their taxes, right? But mm-hmm. tax planning is an ongoing, year long thing, and so that's what we were just talking about earlier. Was it's not just April, right? right. You've got to do this throughout the year. And the the argument is everyone says pay your fair share, and that fair what is fair share, right? And I know our friend Elon Musk has yeah. something to say about that, and right. uh, has gone to to war with many people in the last uh, few months about that. Um, 
What do you think of old Elon these last yeah, couple you know, of weeks? <laughs> it's 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 honestly a little refreshing for me yeah. just to kind of go against uh, the normal, you know, go against the grain type thing. I, I think it's I, I you're talking about the government problems and spending and so forth. Talk about somebody that could help fix that. Yeah. I mean, look at as successful as companies have been. Yeah. You know, and, and gone through some really tough times with Tesla and, you know, one of the only car makers to actually show a profit, you know, yeah. those types of things. He knows you know, a thing or two about what he's doing. Right. And that entrepreneurial mindset could be helpful yeah. with our with our government. Well, he, and he and again, with what he's doing with Twitter, he's rattling the cages. Yeah. I know if John was here, I'm sure John is a pro Elon because right. John likes to rattle the cages. Yeah. Um, and, and again, everything he's doing, he's being honest and transparent and forthright. So I, I'm I'm supporting him from that side of it and i think it's a good thing and uh the twitter battle is going to be interesting to see how it plays out yeah uh, he owns nine percent what if he dumps the stock All right right what if what if he ends up getting control of the company and again if he's going around the uh, free speech and versus censorship i'm for it right he's, oh, yeah. he's being honest about it uh his comments regarding the sec were very alarming uh, he's he, never liked the SEC. No, he hasn't, yeah. right? And he's he's yeah. honest about it. But he right. he was pretty much he says I my company his company being Tesla was being held hostage, but he used a term it's like putting a gun to your child's head. His child being Tesla, right? Because they said they basically would not have he wouldn't have the resources, uh, the financial resource backing from banks, and the SEC would intervene and shut the company down, which is is alarming. Yeah, well, we got a lot planned tonight. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook and Stephen Lucan with you today. And I want to talk, Stephen, about interest rates and just the world that's going on right now, these current events. So, you know, we talked about tax collections and revenue and things like that. And the other side of that is, is what people are doing with their money and where they're spending it and just the other economic impacts that are, we're seeing across not only here in Ohio, but just across the country Yeah, uh, and worldwide, actually. The globe. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and there's so many moving parts, but I think, you know, what's, what we've seen with interest rates this year, right, just to start mm-hmm. the year, you know, we're only, what, fourth month in, uh, rates are rising very quickly, expecting more of that throughout the year. How does that impact things like mortgages and, and what's going on there? Yeah, and and I remember this was maybe a month ago uh, on the show. I said, oh, mortgages are, are quickly approaching 5%. And, oh, well, they're only at like four and a quarter. But here we are, and they're over 5% now, yeah. right? So here we are, April 20, uh, third week of April, right? Yep. Um, well, over going over 5%. So what do you do as a home buyer, right? So housing is a problem, and we're talking about – a lot of people, well, there's not enough inventory, right? right? That's a, But I, I question that because housing starts continue to rise. Uh, housing starts for 2020 uh, were higher than 2019. They dropped a little bit in 2021. And then uh, in 2022, it's, 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 it's rolling. So we have the housing starts are there. But what we're seeing is a trend in who's owning the housing market. And this is a problem. Uh, the problem is that the uh, private private equity companies, investment companies, are gobbling up neighborhoods, not just individual housing, but almost all of the neighborhoods. And what they're doing is uh, gouging the tenants. They're they because rent is based on the mar- fair market value of the property. Right. 
that would that's what gauges the rent and these they're coming in and maybe buying a house that's modestly priced and now it's been inflated and they're going to charge you what the fair market value based on the uh, I'm sorry charge you rent based on the fair market value yeah and that's the problem we have it, it is um, in fact I was talking to a mortgage broker earlier this week uh, had obviously done very well the last couple of years with low rates and actually it's been that way for almost a decade right mm-hmm. even longer than that now since 2008 2009. Um, and he said just with when that rate crossed five percent the last couple of weeks that he said demand just plummeted on the personal side. Okay. So that's that's opening the door for what you're saying is these larger private equity pools to come in, still have that money, right? Entice the buyer, the seller rather, right. to say, you know, you're gonna give me hundred grand over asking, are you crazy? How can I say no to that? Right. And that it does come down to dollars dollars and cents. Right. That's really hard if you're if you're a home seller in that case looking to, to move yep. or do something to, to to turn down that offer. So um, but you got to you got to be aware on the other side of the equation too, in terms of what this actually means from a longer term perspective. And I hear the term quite a bit when people talk about making money from their house, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, house is not an investment. I've been talking to right, a lot. Right, right. We've talked We've about it all day long. Show quite right? a bit. It's all about. Yeah, I call it a money pit. Is really what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's an expense to your plan. So we're in a very strange time now, just with what's happening in housing prices. In fact, we're seeing a lot of demand for single family rentals now, not multifamily, which is all the places you see around town. But individual freestanding houses, mm-hmm. but still have a community feel, like yep. a clubhouse and a pool and all that stuff. Um, we've seen some popping up all across the country, actually, and I think that's because people can't afford down payments anymore. Yeah, because of what's happened to the fair market value of the house. Yeah, right? we have a problem in this country it's, with housing. Um, yep. And the other, the other, why? Why are these investment uh, private equity firms and hedge funds? Why are they gobbling up all these assets? Because house, housing and real estate appreciate at the rate of inflation. And what are we in? We're in a high inflationary period. So from their perspective, it's opportunity. Right. It's investment opportunity. Who ends up paying for this opportunity is the tenant. Yep. The tenants are going to be the ones paying for this. And there's going to be a breaking point. I don't know. Does the government intervene? Yeah. You, right. If you if you levy some extra taxation on it, is it going to pass through to the tenant again? Probably. But, but what it would do is create an imbalance on on affordability and, and then next thing you know they have vacancies and so forth vacancies would help um slow this down yeah right but do you want empty uh housing yeah and I, we just talked about inventory right well it's, it's wild you talk about inventory I, i've got a family member who's in the, the lumber business and been in the lumber business for 20 years and i keep asking him you know I, these things are still going up everywhere all these these multifamily yeah. new houses it's like where are we at with, with supply demand he's like well if, if you read the numbers that they're reading we're still like here in Central Ohio. We've only met two thirds of the demand. Yeah, that's insanity to me. Yeah, just where we're at, and so the prices aren't going down. So I think when you're a home buyer in that scenario too, you just got to stay disciplined and don't don't get sucked into this narrative that we live in right now. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's a lot of false expectations. But, but I I do feel for people who I've I've heard about where their rent rent is coming due and twenty percent increases, thirty percent increases, hmm. and that's yeah. that's off of your income. And can right. your income inflate? To 20, 30. No, probably not. Right. Most people's income can't grow that that much annually. So what does it do? It increase it, it bites into any any other money. Right. If there's any discretionary money, that's gone. That means there will be no vacation. Uh, there'll be other adjustments being made. So spending adjustments. So this is this is a big big challenge, and it's going to be interesting. How does this get adjusted? Do yep. you get rid of the 1031 exchange? Does the government intervene and say, oh, we're going to change the tax law and we're going to get rid of the 1031 exchange? Does that affect residential? Probably not, but would it affect 
investment properties. Right. Like how much of that is is structured? Is the ten thirty one? How much of uh, uh, do investment properties uh, deal with that? So it's yeah. it's something's going to break here. I just don't know where or how it's going to start. Uh, yeah, I think too. It's an inflation. Just sticking with that for a moment. It's it's everywhere too, right? Oh, yeah. you know, Did I you saw... see? I, I shared with you. Germany has the highest inflation since 1949. Wow, that's, that's crazy. It's primarily because of energy, it, right? It, a lot of it has to do with the energy, yeah. right? So what's uh, going on in Ukraine? Right, with and, yeah. Ukraine and Russia right. war. Um, the, the point is, though, like we always have talked about inflation on the show for 11 years now. It, now it was it's a actually non, here. It was a non-issue, uh, right? right? People <laughs> almost laughed at us. Like, oh, what are you talking about inflation? Well, right. How big of a deal is that? It's never going to get right. that bad again. And and same thing with the the mortgage rates, right? Could we see a ten percent mortgage? I would not be shocked at this point. No, uh, I I had a little wager with someone seven percent. I'm feeling good about that right now. <laughs> You're getting closer. Right, a thirty year mortgage <laughs> is going to hit seven percent. Yeah. Um, one little nugget. We still have a couple minutes here. One little nugget for uh, home buyers and home sellers on with mortgage rates increasing is uh, assumable mortgages. Yeah. And I think this is going to become a popular trend here. And what an assumable mortgage is, is an example I'll give is if there is a seller who owns a assumable mortgage, let's say they have a 30-year mortgage at three and a quarter percent. They had a nice rate. And the buyers right now, if they go to buy, they're maybe looking at 5% or greater for their mortgage. So what you can do if the mortgage is assumable is the buyer can basically take over the mortgage at the rate payment, the schedule, according, they would sign over the mortgage. And I think we'll be, we'll see a trend here. Yeah. Now the challenge is there's a lot of restrictions to it. That Not all mortgages are assumable. Most conventional mortgages are not, but there is some stipulations where it might be VA loans are, but the buyer and seller have to both be VA eligible. Uh, okay. FS, FHA programs are. So, but if you're in a seller and you have a, an assumable mortgage, I would be marketing that. It is. It's like a commodity right it now. It is, right? right? It would I mean, add premium to your house yeah, because housing is based on the price of the mortgage. Yeah. That's how people buy and sell houses. You're not going to see rates like we just saw for a long time, in my, right. my view, right? For a while. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And so so for the listeners out there is uh, just just keep, keep your eyes on assumable mortgages. If that's an option, like I said, uh, VA loans are, FHA loans are. Um, it, it's a possibility, and it would be a good way to just uh, get a really good rate. Uh, for now, you have to come up with the equity portion. So let's say it's a three hundred thousand dollar mortgage. House is worth four hundred thousand. You would need to come up with a hundred thousand. Um, now you may be able to work with the bank and get a secondary second loan for that, right. but that would be more at a variable rate and so forth. So yeah. there's some maneuvering to be done, but I think that that will be a trend we'll see here in it's the coming nice, months. Could be a nice planning technique to look at. Certainly. Well, when we get back from the break, we're going to talk a little bit about NHL player Chris Pronger and his recent tweets about pro athletes and their, their money problems. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Welcome back to Managing to Be Wealthy, your weekly financial planning radio show. This is Tyler Cook and Stephen Lucan with you today. Be sure to visit our website, managingtobewealthy.com. A lot of great content there. And if you're interested in learning more about us, you can click the Take Action button on the top right and schedule a complimentary consultation with one of our certified financial planners to learn more about fee-only financial planning and how we might be able to help you. So again, that's managingtobewealthy.com. Well, Stephen, I said at the beginning we were going to talk about Social Security. We'll yeah, get there. We, might, we might get to it. <laughs> we'll get there. But uh, yeah, some in- interesting tweets recently from uh, a retired NHL player, Chris Pronger. Now, you're our resident yep. in yeah, NHL hockey. Be honest, net. when I shared this with you, 
Were you like, who is Chris Pronger? No, I knew that name. Okay. I knew right. that name. He's a beast. Yeah. That guy, he's a Hall of Famer. Yep. Big defenseman. Yep. Uh, used to... Uh, is he Red Wings? Is he on the Red Wings or Blues? No, Blues. St. Louis Blues, okay. yeah. Flyers. Uh, yeah. He won a Stanley Cup. I think it was with LA. Uh, but nonetheless, right? Mr. Yeah. Pronger, he sent out a tweet. Of, this was a couple weeks ago uh, on April 13th. He said... Uh, when you hear about player X making $30 million over a five-year window, $6 million a year, you think he made it, which most people do. Yeah. And I don't blame them, right? right? That's, that's reality. However, that's not always the reality. And in, in, in this thread, he was going to go break down how much money do they end up taking home and where the rest of it goes. So he went through a little um, string, a Twitter string, of explaining to people where the money goes, right, whether it is agent fees, uh, whether it was the uh, players' negotiation, there's a um, – they have to pay into the um, – oh, boy, I'm missing the term. There's a little uh, side account that they have to hold for the rest of the league for the owners, but they revenue sharing and okay. so forth. Yep. So they don't get the full contract, so there is a, a separate account for that. And and at the end of the day, then he talked about taxes. Yep. Now, he used a 37% tax rate. We know that not everything is taxed at 30%. But if you're making $6 million a year, most of it will be, right, right proportionally. Yep. So he just went into this tirade. And I, again, I don't blame him, but he was trying to basically explain to people it's not – they're not – you're not walking away with $6 million, which you and I know that. Right. Right. So yep. it was a really interesting approach. Um, he went on a little bit of a tirade about unethical uh, financial advisors, yeah. which we know exists. You see it every week with the articles we read. Right. Yeah. And and that I don't blame, but who do who's to blame for this, right? And I, I accountability, the individual. That's where he's trying to justify. And I agree. If I was twenty years old, making six million dollar contract a year when I was twenty years old, I'd have the same problems the current athletes do. Yeah. I'm honest about it. I know myself and. I would have those same problems, spending and, and ba- buying too big of a house and the Ferrari sure. or Porsche, whatever it is. And, you know, because they're not buying Honda Accords, they're buying, you know, Range Rover, they're right. buying hundred, two hundred thousand $200,000 vehicles. Right. So the way I broke it down and I explained it to my friends and people, I said, the, prob- the problem is, is they're living on a income of $6 million a year that's going to last them the rest of their life. It only lasts four, five, six years, right. whatever professional athlete we're talking about, football, basketball, baseball, you name it. They have the same, they have to all have the same problem is they're living a lifestyle based on their current income. Yep. And I did a little math. Um, so Tyler, I'm going to quiz you. All right. So you're eight, but between college graduation and age 30, traditional going through corporate America, you get to your age 30, you should be making maybe 80, hundred thousand a year, hopefully. I used sure. eighty thousand sure. dollars. Okay. So then, from age thirty, so let's say you're locked into a good career. I'm using eighty thousand dollars at yep. age thirty, and you gradually increase your income by three percent per year for the next thirty-five years to age sixty-five. How much money did you take home? Take home. Take home. Well, in that the eighty thousand dollar number. So how much did you collect? Inflated. After taxes. And no, no, no. Oh, just oh, just okay. your base salary. Uh, I, I don't I want to get the to it's, 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 it's com- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I used my financial calculator. That's basically you're, you're getting about $5 million okay. over the next 30 years. So yeah. so people think about it. You're getting $5 million. And if your income's higher, it could be six, seven, eight, nine, ten million based on your income levels. Yeah. So you have those same that same problem, but it's spread out over a longer period of time. Yeah, this, That's this, building a financial plan. We, this problem applies to anybody. Yeah. Well, this, isn't, this is a bigger example with bigger numbers, of course. But I remember a few years ago we were on, talking about um, – 
Oh, she's, he's a Blue Jackets player. Uh, Jack Johnson? Yes. And all, remember that was a public article about yeah. everything that happened with him. And the parents. It, well, yeah. And then the parents a, had bad, made bad investments. Yeah. So it was got, all legal right. because he gave him power of attorney. That's yeah. what people forget. People are like, oh, he got robbed. I'm like, no, 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 no. That goes to your point, though, about it's the individual responsibility, yes, right? to the care. Accountability. That's yeah. what John said. No one should care more about your money than you should. Exactly. And the, the word I was looking for is the escrow account. Es- yeah, they have yeah. to put about 10% of their salary into an escrow account. Okay. And it gets, it gets reapplied to... NHL revenues and so forth, um, but that's league rule. So yeah, these these are problems that professional athletes have. I don't blame them for it, but again, they're they're living a lifestyle on their current income like it's going to last thirty right. years. It doesn't last thirty years. It lasts five, ten years at best. Yep, very so. true. And you've seen. I think NBA has been notorious for being one of the worst in terms of that. After I think the studies are a couple years after you know they retire, they're completely broke. Forget mm-hmm. having cash flow problems. They don't have any money to spend at all. Right. And it's just, yeah, it's every every scenario is like that. Even people that win the lottery, same idea, right? You just get yeah. these big influxes or windfalls of money. And if you're not planning correctly and don't have the right people around you guiding you and coaching you, that can be a big issue. I think that's the problem, too, with, with the young kids is they get a friend of a friend or family or they find out the third cousin they never knew existed and they want to help everybody. And yes. it's just, you know, you get pulled in 10 different directions and... Right. At the end of the day, you're the one that gets stuck with everything. Yeah, Bernie Kosar had a good yeah. good line about that. He said the best part about declaring bankruptcy is all your friends and family stop asking you for money. Wow. Boy, that's that's true. Right, because right. it was public. Yeah. Right, and he said this. It was on that uh, ESPN 30 for 30 broke, it was called. And he said it was the best thing because public, public bankruptcy is people stop asking you for money wow. because that's the only good thing that comes of it. So, yeah. So, yes, that was an interesting uh, series of tweets that I knew it related to financial planning. Yeah. So, here we are. Yep. <laughs> let's let's finally get into let's finally get into social uh, security so it's your favorite topic right? yeah <laughs> we'll it try, to, we'll try to make it fun. it's a necessity it, right let's it, try to inform people it is and you know we've got a lot of baby boomers that are moving into this phase and trying to make these decisions and i think the most common question that we hear that we see discussed is you know when should i take the benefit right and that well this, i think the other question okay. is is it going to be there when i well, retire that's, that's, <laughs> i was gonna get there yeah. and that's that well that ties into the win right because if you're yeah. if you don't think it's going to be there then maybe you take it when you're first eligible at age 62. Mm-hmm. So you can start collecting retirement benefits. Again, we're going to focus on the, re- the retirement aspect of Social Security, not uh, spousal benefits necessarily or, or disability. But when you have the option at age 62 to start collecting retirement benefits, but you can also wait up until age 70. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure people have heard this before, but it's a good reminder. Every year you wait, you get about an 8% compounded increase on the benefit amount that you yeah. would receive monthly. That's pretty significant, right? To your compound interest mm-hmm. uh, scenario, that could be something like you know fifteen hundred bucks and turn into thirty five hundred bucks by the time you're done, if you're if you're still working and don't need the benefit at that point. But most people we see are are taking it at their full retirement age, which right now Social Security calculates that it's basically age sixty seven. Uh, there are some age sixty six and every you know they do every it's based month. on the year you're born. Correct. So it's based, based on, on your year. birth. But most of the people right now are claiming it right around age uh, age 67. So here's some fun numbers to throw at you. So as of June of last year, June 2021, 176 million people worked and paid Social Security taxes, right? So that's how the program's funded, right? You yeah. work, you pay your taxes. That's what that FICA and all that stuff looks like on your paycheck that you don't even know what it means, right? That, that's yeah. all going into these programs. Yeah. And then about 65 million people actually received monthly benefits. That's expected increase, of course, as more baby boomers retire and start collecting benefits. Um, most of them, again, of the 65 million that are collecting, 50 million are retired. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, most of this is, is retirees, and that's what you think. The whole program was started with the intention of trying to replace some of your working income. The problem is many challenges with this, which we'll get into some of them, but as you make more money, you actually get less 
mm-hmm. right, in, in retirement benefit. Um, and there, there's a whole uh, theory about how long this can last, and you see the, the horror stories about the program's going to go bankrupt in 2034. Yep. I don't know. What do you th- I, I'll get into this after the break, but I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you why, because if you, tr- if you tweak one or two variables in their yes. calculations, then everything looks great. So we'll, we'll get into that after the break. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Welcome back to Managing to be Wealthy. This is Tyler Cook and Stephen Lucan, both certified financial planners with you today. And, and Stephen has promised we'd get into this Social Security thing and <laughs> right. we're, we're only going to scratch the surface. But um, I mentioned the, the horror stories or the headlines you see about the program running out of money in 2034. And, you know, the reason why I don't think that's necessarily going to happen is, is, first of all, it's going to exist, right? The, the running out of money, I think, is an overblown headline because the reality is right now, even if that happened, benefits payable would be about 78% of what you were expecting. Right. So you're still going to get 78% of what it was, but that assumes if Congress doesn't change anything. Now, here's the problem. It's, it's, it's been avoided, I think, by both parties for a long time because there's, you're going to change something that one, one side of the aisle is not going to like in order voting. to fix it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And their constituents and what they want. But there's been no really major changes or legislation with, with Social Security passed since the 1980s. It's been that long. Wow. So one thing that does increase each year is how much of your income they do tax, tax. Yep. regarding Social Security. So That's gone up. It is. Yep. And that's what I think is going to change because – Right now, the cap for 2022 is the first 147000 of your income you pay Social Security tax on. And I remember when I started learning about this 20 years ago, it was like in the 90000 yeah. range or 87000 Yep. So they've, they've kind of built that in to increase and collect more revenue. But look at Medicare, for example. Medicare, what you pay tax for Medicare tax, there's no limit. There's no cap. Right. It's unlimited. You pay, if you make $10 trillion, you're going to pay Medicare tax on it. So the point being, what I think they're going to do, and this was floated a few years ago with legislation, but the word they're going to use is harmonize. We're going to harmonize our tax right. system. It's a nice subtle yeah, word. Right? You can get some votes for that. Yeah. yeah. And we're going to we're gonna make basically make Social Security taxable the way Medicare is taxable and remove Oof. the income cap or increase it significantly. Increase the, the, the cap. I agree. Yeah, I think that is going to be, it has been, that's the way yeah. they've done it. And as we just talked in the first say, opening segment- First thing we talk about is tax revenues are going up right. because income's going up. Right. Right. So that's inflation. Everything's inflating, and Social Security's going to inflate as well. Yeah, it's going to have to if it wants to stay the way it is now. Yeah. But we've even seen that they do subtle changes that I don't think everybody's aware of throughout a few years ago. It's probably been five years now, but they changed some rules on uh, what's called the file and suspend strategy and yes. what you can do with spouses. Yeah, yeah that, that was, that was it, hey, it was smart. Right. We, 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 it was, a, these are the rules. Yeah. And we followed the rules, but you we got, had a lot of number of, clients that were able to benefit from the yeah. rules that were in place. Right. Yeah. And that's what's going to keep changing. So if they change this tax rule and specifically how much money is taxed at certain rates, you know, it's just like you wave your magic wand, voila. Yeah. And now we're, we're it's solved until 2070. Look yeah. what we did, you know. Yeah. So one party will try to claim that, you know, solution. It's just they've all they've avoided it for many, many reasons at this point. But, um, you know, I think the other part that we get a lot of questions on with Social Security, too, is the part about when to take it. That's specific to cash flow and what you've got going on in your world, too. But one thing you should do is try to avoid mistakes along the way. So don't wait till 62 to start thinking about this. Right. Really, one of the most important things you can do is look at your annual statement from Social Security. Now, last check, they don't mail them out anymore like they used to, or at least not as frequently. Right. 
So you can go to ssa.gov. That's the Social Security website, ssa.gov, and take a look and, and create your login. First of all, it's a great recommendation yes, from an identity theft yeah. standpoint. Create your own login, and you can download your statement on demand. And yeah. what, the reason why you do that is you want to make sure that every penny you're paying and every portion of your income is reflected correctly in their records. Because I have a story for that. Well, the government never makes mistakes, right? right with that, yeah, no, I actually have a story for that where I had an issue with how my tax return was being filed with the IRS, and I kept getting a letter from the IRS that you haven't filed your tax return. I said to my accountant, he goes, "I filed it." He goes, "I even showed the IRS agent." And then a month later, I got another letter, and I logged into my Social Security, and it didn't have any income reported. Oh, boy. And I sent it to him and said, so the and the IRS agent even sent an email saying, yes, it's filed. So I was I was on clean. It showed it was being, it was clean, yeah, but it wasn't recorded. Um, so it was interesting. And I used the Social Security login to prove to, hey, it's not showing any income for that tax year. And right. sure enough, it was it was not properly uh, filed with the IRS. Yeah, that's that's a, a good catch because remember the benefit you're going to receive in retirement is based upon what you paid in along the way. Yeah. And so if you're not getting full credit for what you paid for, that's a major problem. The other thing too is to print a statement every year and save it. Yeah. Right. And that yeah. way you can compare your benefit, what was forecasted last year, to what it is this year. Make just see how it's growing. Right? Yeah. It should go, should yep. go up. Yep. Right. So that's an important feature. So that that's one thing. It's check your check your statements, set up that login, SSA.gov if you haven't done it already. Um, another mistake to avoid, this one's kind of silly. It's gonna sound strange okay. to tell you that. Getting divorced too soon. Okay. Or remarrying too soon. R- right. Yeah. <laughs> that ten year The ten year rule, right? Yeah. Ten year rule. Ten year yeah. rule. If you're married for ten years and you get and you and you're divorced and don't remarry, you actually can collect up to half of your previous spouse's amount. Yes. Even though you're not married. Correct. But if you get remarried, then you it mess it, mess, you mess yeah, it up. Right. If you get remarried, yeah. you lose that, that benefit right. of the uh, former spouse's, ex-spouse's um, benefit. And I don't I don't have any stats on how much that's actually you know, happens, but you think talking about changing the system and it's minor adjustments, that's probably one thing they'll get rid of. Mm-hmm. Right. That just seems, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It depends. Yeah. Right. I don't know. But I've seen other, I've seen people not get remarried because of it. Yeah. Because they needed the money. Right. right. They didn't have that. That was that income from the ex-spouse was significant enough to help them. Uh, so they, for a re- for that financial reason, decided not to get married. Right. Um, well, the other thing too is people ask is, well, what 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 when should I collect it? And I just say, well, the biggest factor in whether or not to collect is how long do you live? Yeah, to get that crystal no ball one, out. No one knows, right? Well, there's a break even point though. Is what you're saying, right? <clears throat> right, and the break even yeah. point is what around age eighty. About age eighty. So yeah. if you yeah. if you again you 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 win either way, but if you live past age eighty, you win. If you die before age eighty. You should have right. should have taken it Take sooner. It sooner right? Yes, exactly. Yep. So, yep. and no one knows that, but because I, I I've had someone uh, take it at sixty two. He said I don't trust the program, and he goes I I lived a hard life. I just don't. And and he died at sixty seven. Oh wow! So he collected for five years, and um, yeah, he just had a feeling about that. But but again, I don't like that penalty aspect. That right. penalty aspect also affects the spousal benefit too. Yep. So you got to understand what you're doing if you collect it early. Yeah, and it's the, the point here too is is planning ahead of of those ages, so you have an idea of what your options are. And it's it's tough for us to even keep track of. So you mm-hmm. know, there's a lot moving, a lot of moving parts to it. But one thing too that we're seeing more and more frequently are clients or people that have pensions through the state. Mm-hmm. So like STRS or OPERS or SERS, S E R S. You know, these are all acronyms for any the plans here in Ohio. Pension, yeah. But yeah, any state pension, if you're receiving a benefit through that state pension program. There's a chance, and I say this with you know big asterisks there. There's a chance that what you receive from Social Security could be reduced, 
and sometimes it's pretty significant. But it's all about not the state pensions rules, but it's Social Security's rules with what you can actually uh, They don't want you to prove. double collect. Well, yeah. That's at the end of the day. They right. want you to collect your state pension and a full Social Security benefit. Right, and it's all based upon how many years of what they call substantial earnings that you've paid into that to, into Social Security. Um, and there, it's a percentage formula, and it's all complex in terms of how you actually get to the, the bottom line numbers. But a uh, few scenarios where people have been surprised, you know, you know, I forgot about that or didn't know about that. And, and it's, again, these are just things you do ahead of time to be trying to be proactive. And uh, as painful as it can be sometimes, it's a, it's a good idea to schedule a phone call or a meeting with your local Social Security office yeah. ahead of time and just review this. And, and let's assume you're a young, young professional and you've got a long way to look and you're like, well, I have a pension. How do I know if I'm eligible for so look at your pay stub that's your first step and the first step is look at your pay stub if you're paying into social security that fica tax number if you're paying into the system you will have a record and that's then you know for sure because sometimes you don't sometimes you don't pay into social security right therefore you will not your your earnings are not counting towards your social security benefit right so that right there look at your pay stub is step one and that's you take that pay stub and compare it to your social security statement right correct and look yep. at and make sure those those are in line with what uh, they're counting you as far as paying into that system yeah we see it quite a bit you know Ohio state's a big employer here in town a lot of people have pension through Ohio state yep um, you know it's teachers. all across teach, yeah teachers yeah, everywhere teachers, yeah. um, my, my father being a retired Deputy Sheriff had a program through through OPERS mm-hmm. and, and SCRS. And so, so it, there's a lot of moving parts, and you really got to make sure you, you look at the details. Well, we barely started yeah. Social Security, but we'll have to continue that on the next It'll show. It'll come up again at some point. We'll get, we'll get there. <laughs> You've been listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN.